Good morning. Well, we are here. Uh, it's a very special service. It is the commissioning service of Tyler and Olivia Walsh. It's pretty awesome, and it's very exciting, but um, there's one thing that we do want to focus on here. We want to focus on the fact that this is God's work in the Walshes. God is the one doing the work. God is the one doing the ministry, and he is using both Tyler and Olivia to accomplish that. So before we get started talking about Tyler and what God's been doing, why don't you guys stand up, and we will praise God for the work that he's, he's done so far. Done. We believe. 
children's four years old through the first grade. You guys can be dismissed to your children's church time, and we have coloring books for the rest of the children. Well, good morning. I really want to welcome all of you here to this special time. We really want this to be a time of both uh, celebration and anticipation. We want to celebrate the good things God has already done, and we want to look forward to the good things that He is going to do. You know, one of the things the Bible repeatedly instructs us to do is to tell one another about the great things God has done. And obviously that includes the great big things, like Jesus' birth, His death and resurrection, which He gives special emphasis to at Christmas, then at Easter, but then all the countless other things, the good things that God does for us. We're to tell each other about it. That's, that's really the whole idea behind the word hallelujah. I bet you've heard that word, but did you know it's a command? It actually means give praise to the Lord, and the way we give praise to the Lord is not just by saying praise the Lord, but by actually telling one another of the good things that God has done. For us. So today we want to tell the story of something good that God has done in and through this church family and through others uh, to bring his servants, Tyler and Olivia Walsh, to this place where they are about to embark on a new journey, a new chapter of ministry. So we want to celebrate what God has done for us through them and what God has done for them through us and through others, and we want to pray uh, for what God will do in the days to come. So we have several that are going to come this morning and and tell the story, and I'm not going to introduce each one as they come, but you have an order there in your uh, folder, and uh, by the way, the slides that are going to be up, you'll see down in the bottom corner little drawing that's key to the coloring book that our children have that are going to help them follow along. And uh, I guess that's me and uh, Tyler. Uh, my part is to uh, begin, get things started with um, an explanation of why this church has a long history of internships, of offering internships to people like Tyler and Ryan. Actually, when my wife and I first came to this church, got involved in this church nearly 30 years ago, (laughs) Uh, while I was a student at Western Seminary, uh, this church offered me an internship. Same was true of Pastor Mark. Pastor Mark did an internship here before becoming a pastor. Uh, Cindy Abbott's did an internship before becoming uh, our youth director. And several others uh, throughout the years have done ministry internships here at Philida. Why do we do that? Well, believe it or not, it's, it's about more than just cheap labor, although <laughs> that's nice too. Um, now, the, the main reason we do that is as a way of fulfilling one of our most important responsibilities as a church, and that is raising up 
the next generation of leaders for the church of Jesus Christ. The church needs leaders. That's probably seems really obvious, and it's very clear from the Bible. God gifts all people, but he gifts certain people with, with um, the ability to, to teach his word, to help others live the life that God wants them to live as disciples of Jesus. And the church has a responsibility to identify and to encourage and to challenge and to raise up those individuals whom God has gifted to be leaders. One of the places we see this is in the verse that's in your uh, folder on the sheet there, 2 Timothy 2.2. The Apostle Paul, writing to his intern, his uh, apprentice, his partner in ministry, says to Timothy, What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. And so you see this chain of the truths of God's Word, the truths, the principles of leadership being passed on from one to another to another who will be able to keep the chain going. It's a very significant responsibility, and I today just want to thank God publicly for leading this church to take that responsibility seriously. And I want to say to those of you who are part of the Philida family, well done. This is a day to celebrate what God has done, how he has used you to, through your encouragement, through your financial support, through your prayers, how he has used you in the lives of Tyler and Olivia to to bring them to this place now where Tyler is becoming the director of of a Christian camp in Eastern Oregon, Camp Elkanah. Uh, And God is going to continue to use him, we pray, and by his grace, through that camp to influence hundreds, maybe even thousands of people to love, to know, to trust Jesus Christ, to be part of his kingdom. So good job, church. Good job. Keep it up. Keep it up. Well, Tyler's going to come now, and he's going to tell us a bit of the story of how God brought him to himself and to this church. So, Tyler, if you'd come. All right, so Scott asked me to say how I came to Christ and how I came to this church Uh, But it's actually the other way around, and we'll get to that in a little bit. But I ended up coming to the church before coming to Christ, Um, so I'll get to that. But just a bit about my growing up. Um, I was born in a town probably most of you have never heard of. It's called Pocatello, Idaho. And um, I grew up there for a couple of years till I was like two or three, and my parents ended up divorcing, and I followed my mom out here to Vancouver. And so I grew up here in Vancouver with my dad, in Pocatello, and I would go visit every summer and then every other Christmas. Growing up, I always kind of, this was unintentional on my dad's part, but I felt like I kind of had to earn his love, Um, and he did not, he was not that kind of man. I learned later in life talking with him, but he didn't want that, but that's how I felt, Um, and the way that I did that was through grades. So for me, 
uh, growing up for a long time, I felt like I was earning love through getting good grades. And that just became kind of normal operating procedure. And so I started developing some friendships that based on a very similar principle that if I were to perform in some way or uh, be a certain type of person that they would be my friend and give me um, their, their relationship, their love and affection. And so I had some friends like, I don't think they were intentionally exploiting that, but, but looking back, I probably wouldn't have been able to verbalize this then, but looking back, I was kind of letting myself um, be taken advantage of because um, I was vulnerable. And that's just how it was for a couple of years. And then I took French class. And I met a guy named Jordan Bondrant. I think some of you probably know him. He doesn't go here anymore. He came here a while ago before moving to Seattle. But um, I just started hanging out with him, and it was a lot different. My friendship with Jordan was different than the friendships I, I had otherwise. Like, it, I couldn't put my finger on it, but there was just something that was really attractive about hanging out with Jordan. I'm not talking physically. Um, but it's like, well, he's a good-looking guy, but... <laughs> but I just enjoyed spending time with him. It was like there was just this acceptance. There was this, this kind of unconditional love that came from Jordan. And looking back now, I can see that that's the love of Christ coming through Jordan. Um, but back then, I was just like, dude, this guy's cool. And so I really kind of started hanging out with Jordan a bit more. I really enjoyed him, and uh, we just hung out. And eventually, he invited me to a youth event here at the church, and we went cosmic bowling, um, which was cool. And I realized that all of Jordan's friends were like Jordan. They were all kind of similar. I, I kind of got that same vibe from them, this, this acceptance, this love. And I was just like, oh, this is cool. I like these people. And so really, for a, it, it doesn't seem like a, all that spiritual reason other than I just wanted to be with my friends that I started hanging out at the church. Um, and really, I heard about Christ just because I was hanging out with them. I heard about it through Scott's teaching and preaching and through some stuff going on in YBX. And just over time, I, I started following Christ. I honestly don't remember any sort of dramatic kind of road to Damascus type experience for me. There is no kind of like scales falling from the eyes. I don't remember the day I decided to follow Jesus. Um, it's just, it, I think it kind of just faded in. It started as a process. Um, and really ever since that time, Jesus has been doing work in my life. He's been repairing relationships. He's been helping me to develop healthier relationships with family and friends and all sorts of different types of people. Um, and I really liked what Scott said, that, that today's really not a celebration of anything good in me that I've done. Um, I, I would honestly say to you guys, like, before coming to Christ, I was kind of a wreck. You can ask my mom. I stole money. I stole lots of things. I was selfish and kind of an angry, frustrated person. Um, it's really... Anything good that people say today is honestly a testimony to the goodness of, of Jesus, not, not to me. So that's my testimony. That's what God's done in my life. That's how I came to this church. There's really no reason to leave once I came to Christ. And it was just, this is just where I was. So I haven't left, and now Elkanah's had to kind of pry me away. So, all right. Um, I don't know who's next. I didn't look at the program. Mark's next. We're just going to try a little microphone change, see if this one will not do that. 
Uh, for those of you who don't know me, I'm Pastor Mark Clodson. A decade ago, I was the youth pastor when uh, Tyler showed up. Uh, now, I'm not sure what pastor I am, but I'm still here. So, and it's good to be up here with all of you this morning. Um, today, I want to talk about, uh, what do I want to talk about? Oh, I want to talk about how Tyler became an intern. And um, uh, I've had the privilege of knowing Tyler now for uh, 11 years, maybe a little bit more, um, and to be a part of his life. And I think the simplest uh, way to explain how Tyler became an intern is simply that God grabbed him. God just grabbed hold of this kid. And then he surrendered to what God had, um, had done. Um, in, that, in that place of him coming to know Christ, there came this point where Tyler realized that Jesus was what it's all about. And at that moment, he was all in. And uh, the picture in our little coloring book is kind of the um, icon for Tyler being all in because that is uh, a drawing of Tyler from an actual picture where he is super, I don't know what, with a tie and soccer boppers, but he is doing it. He's doing that for Jesus, Uh, just all in. And uh, one of the things that Tyler was all in with was um, the Bible. Uh, When we explained to him that the Bible was God's word, he began to read that voraciously. Uh, He actually wore out the Bible that we gave him. And a decade ago, that was not really a normal thing for people of his age to do. And so we just kind of took a look at that and just went, wow, kind of seems like maybe God's stirring in this kid uh, more so than maybe we see in other places. And Tyler would bring uh, questions to me. And out of these questions that he would bring about what the Bible says and what it means, uh, we just saw 2 Timothy 3.16 being kind of occurring in Tyler's life. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, uh, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Uh, Basically, when Tyler understood that the Bible was God's word, he allowed that word to direct his life. He allowed his life to be trained by it. He allowed it to rebuke him, to bring correction into his life. And basically, Tyler just became submissive to God, and he became submissive to the authorities that God has established. Uh, I got to tell you, I have never felt like Tyler blew me off. Pretty much everybody else has blown me off at one time or another. <laughs> I just never got that sense from Tyler. He, he actually really seemed to respect uh, the things that we were talking about and what was going on. And so it was a joy to recommend him to serve at Camp Tadmore, one of our uh, church's Christian camps down out of Lebanon, Oregon. And Tyler actually was privileged to serve there uh, younger than their age limit because of his just heart for the Lord and wanting to serve. And so Tyler went to Camp Tadmore, and in that experience, it just kind of helped converge within his life, uh, his own heart for God, uh, the Bible teaching that Philida had been uh, pouring into his life, and it just gave to him an understanding of uh, Christian formation. And so Tyler just developed this real heart for God and a real desire to serve. 
And so Tyler became an intern basically because God placed him here as an intern. Uh, we, were, we weren't really looking, but all of a sudden God was doing this thing in a person's life, and we, we recognized it by God's grace, and this Philida family got on board and supported that, uh, both financially as well as personally. And I think it's important, I mean, Tyler kind of alluded to this in his testimony there at the end, but I think it's important, especially for young people, for you to realize that in Tyler's internship, he was not perfect. Uh, There were times when his enthusiasm to do the soccer bopper things, I mean, it was just over the top. (laughs) We would be in a meeting together, and all of a sudden, he'd get on this kick about bringing in a helicopter. And it's just like, you know, this is not helping the discussion. And he just kept talking about the helicopter. It's like, dude, we're not bringing in a helicopter. Ah, Cindy would come into my office sometimes after she'd had a conversation with him and Ryan, and she would just want to rip her hair out. Uh, I don't know if you guys in worship too heard that or not, but Pastor Levi from Camp Elkanah said that we didn't tell those things to them before they hired him. Uh, You are in for a treat, my friend. You are in for a treat. And I can't wait to see the helicopter that Elkanah ends up with. Uh, There were a couple of times when Tyler made, you know, some mistakes. And there were times that I ended up having to be on the phone with parents, having conversations that I really didn't want to be on the phone, having conversation with parents about. And I'm not bitter about that anymore. It's all forgiven, okay? (laughs) But, But that's what makes God's story so cool, is that while we're still sinners, Jesus rescues us, and he uses us. And I'm just so excited about how God has used Tyler. And I'm excited about how God is going to continue to use Tyler. And so Tyler was an intern just because he exemplified what I like to call a fat kid. He was a fat kid. He was faithful. He was available. And even when he made mistakes, he was very teachable. And I just want to encourage you to keep being fat, my bro. Hi, I'm Cindy Abbotts, and I'm the one that was pulling my hair out sometimes when I went to Mark's office. Um, And I'm really glad he brought up the helicopter, because I'm going to go even deeper. Um, (laughs) It's my last chance, right? Um, No, it was a really exciting time, um, and I can't talk about Tyler becoming an intern without also mentioning Ryan becoming an intern. Um, I was the youth director, and I was getting these two young guys right out of high school, and they'd been working really hard doing ministry. And like Mark said, we we hired these guys because they had just proven themselves, they'd been doing awesome stuff, and um, as youth director, I was like, okay, you know, we're going to learn how to do stuff, and mentor, and shape these guys, and I did not know what I was in store for, (laughs) because these two are best friends, and I would get the most ridiculous phone calls and messages, so I just got to tell you a little bit, because it's my last chance. Um, (laughs) Yeah, you heard a little bit about the helicopter story, no, that was ongoing, and I remember the first time it happened... It was like, I got this message, and it was Ryan, and I could hear Tyler in the background, ask her, ask her, do it, do it. And I'm like, okay. And he's like, Cindy, how much does the youth fund have, and do you think we could at least rent a helicopter? (laughs) I'm like, no, 
not happening. Um, another time, they, I remember Tyler ran into my office with uh, Ryan, and he's like, get on the computer, check the weather report. Is it going to be cold enough on Saturday? And I'm like, why does it need to be cold? For the lock-in. What? what? And he's like, because we're going to buy a ton of jello and make a pool full of jello outside, and we got to make sure it'll set up in time. <laughs> and I'm like, um, do you know how many boxes of jello you're going to have to buy? <laughs> and I was always having to bring a little bit of logic. Um, <laughs> another time we're working on um, a production down in the gym. The, we're always doing these little musical things. And all of a sudden, Tyler and Ryan are like, dude. We need fireworks for the finale. We can get the sparklers. We're going to put them on everybody's heads, and we're going to fly around. Like, you cannot have fireworks in the gym. They still, to this day, don't understand why we couldn't have fireworks in the gym. You know you asked for it, like, last year even. (laughs) Uh, Sparklers. Yeah, I know, but you guys get crazy. Um, One of my favorites, too, this is probably my all-time favorite. They burst into my office, and they were like, okay, this is what we're going to need for the game on, on Wednesday at the zone. I'm like, okay, here we go. We need a lot of fence, some Crisco, some vegetable oil, and a live pig that we can grease up. <laughs> and we can have her go running through. I'm like, what? And they're like, it's going to be epic. <laughs> Sorry, guys, I had to do it. So, um, <laughs> But for all their crazy ideas, um, the thing I just can't emphasize enough is those two brought so much fun, so much excitement, and they still do. Um, but just specifically as I watched them, you know, grow and mature, and since we're talking about Tyler, um, I just was so impressed at seeing the different gifts that God had given Tyler. Um, just especially one of the things I saw was just his ability to lead and inspire our youth. Um, you know, Tyler would teach a lesson, and it wasn't just, okay, there's our lesson for Sunday. Um, he would challenge the kids to actually put it in action. I know one time he was talking about um, just sharing that... Um, what was it? Oh, sharing for the homeless and just that we need to actually care and actually do stuff. So a bunch of the kids were like, all right, let's go feed the homeless. So they made some pancakes and they went out where they knew people needed, you know, food. And it wasn't just a lesson. It was, you know, action. Um, Another thing that I'd always see him inspiring kids, you know, sometimes in youth ministry, there may be, you know, isn't a game that exciting or an activity they they may not want to do. And Tyler just has this ability to be like, you, you, let's go. And like, by the time those kids are done doing that game, they're like, that was awesome. And really, it maybe wasn't. But they, you know, Tyler has that ability to like, we're going to do this. It's going to be incredible. Um, and another thing, just seeing how he inspires kids. Um, I know one time we did a lot of like outdoors, outdoor activities. He loves rock climbing and all that good stuff. And I remember he was um, belaying a kid up on a rock and they got halfway and they got really scared. They're like, let me down, Tyler, let me down. Tyler's like, all right, just pause, you know what's going through your head? And instead of just letting that student come down, he talked through, like, what are your fears? Do you trust God? Do you trust that I have you on this rope? And just working through that with that student, and they made it to the top. You know, that's just an example of how he doesn't give up on kids, and he inspires them to do, you know, keep going. Um, Another thing, just watching, you know, through the youth ministry, we've seen, we've talked about this a little bit, but Um, Tyler has a love for God's word. If you've ever spent any time talking with him, you know that he loves those really hard theological topics, and he will talk for hours with you on it. And um, he does not water down God's word for our teens. He believes that um, they can be taught the really tough stuff, and they can handle it, and we need that. That's really important and powerful. And um, even at, like, the zone or after school uh, ministry, he came up with this stump the staff, which is an opportunity for 
teens can ask any tough question that they want, and the staff can, you know, answer that. And if we don't know the answer, we're going to go to Pastor Scott, and we're going to, you know, keep talking through those things because we want those kids to be thinking about, you know, those hard topics. Um, And finally, just the biggest joy of watching Tyler grow up um, in youth ministry um, has been just watching the fact that Tyler actually practices what he preaches. Sorry. (laughs) I wasn't going to (laughs) cry. Um, our teens need that, um, to have people to look up to, and, uh, sorry, <laughs> um, he just, um, even when he was a young teen, he was made sure that people held him accountable, because he didn't want to let our teens down, and when he fell in love with Olivia, he was going to date her with integrity, because he wasn't going to let our teens down. And um, he did that through God's grace. And let me tell you, I know um, we're going to talk a little bit more about him and Olivia, but for our kids to see a relationship like that, they don't get to see that much. And that was just really good. So anyway, (laughs) instead of me blubbering, we're going to have some of his guys come up and share um, just about how he um, has affected them as they've grown up. So. I think one of his tag guys is going to come. Mr. Trevor. All right, come on up. All righty. Uh, the three of us are some of Tyler's tag guys. There's Daniel, myself, and Drew. And um, tag stands for Teen Accountability Group. And I remember that. So tag stands for Teen Accountability Group. And Tyler has been our leader for that since like way back, way back. Um, He was with us the whole time from sixth grade all the way through when Daniel and I and then everyone else had almost graduated high school. So he was with us the whole time, which was pretty cool because um, the girls tag group, they do things a little differently, which is totally cool. Uh, But they go and they have a different leader. And then when they get in high school, it's somebody else, which if that works for them, good for you guys. But uh, what was really cool, what was really cool with having Tyler the whole time, though, is he, he got to be with us the whole time. And all you middle schoolers right now, I'm in the middle school room a lot, you guys are all awesome. But when we were in middle school, we were not awesome. We were terrible. We were, we were all stubborn and honorary, and we made really bad jokes that were inappropriate and not even funny. And Tyler was with us then, and he stuck with us, which I'm impressed that you did. But he stuck with us all the time through when we were in middle school. And through that, him sticking with us, he was able to show us the word. Um, and like Cindy was saying, he was just able to set a good example for us, which is what Daniel's going to talk about. But it was just super sweet having Tyler be with us the entire time. We have got, like, a ton of crazy fun memories, like getting the cops called on us on, like, tag sleepovers and, like, fun stuff like that. And it was just super, super cool to have Tyler with us the whole time through, um, through our, basically our middle school and high school experience. Yeah, um, we weren't actually breaking the law when the cops got called on us. It was a misunderstanding. Um, just so that nobody's worried that Tyler was doing something bad. Um, but anyway, um, I could say a million things about stuff that Tyler's taught me and the way he's influenced me because after all, he has been my tag leader for a very long time, but more than things that he just taught me at tag, things that he said, I think the biggest thing is the stuff that he taught me without actually saying anything, everything that he taught me through his actions, 
And I think one of the biggest parts of that is just how to be a leader. Because when Tyler started, I mean, he didn't know how to lead a tag group. He was just starting out in the same way that we didn't knew, we didn't know how to be in a tag group. Tyler didn't know how to lead one, really. And so we were all kind of in it together in, in the same boat. And I think, you know, it's always good to learn from someone who doesn't know what they're doing because <laughs> Tyler, well, because Tyler showed me that how to be a humble leader and that you don't always know the answer to every question, but it's okay to not know the answer to every question. It's okay to ask questions to people who know more than you. And it's okay to make mistakes as long as you admit that and you're teachable about it. Because I make mistakes a lot and I don't know the answer to every question, but Tyler showed me that that's okay and that I can, I'm not expected to be perfect right now. I'm expected to be moving towards that and that it's okay to kind of have a bumpy road on the way there. <laughs> so, um, so thank you, Tyler, for being a good example and just uh, being someone I can look up to. Hi, I'm Drew, and I'm one of the younger um, tag guys, and so Tyler's been with me since I was in fifth grade, so he's been mentoring me, and so he's really been there through pretty much all of my youth stages, and one of those stages is, uh, is middle school, like late middle school, and that's, you know, when, when us guys are... Um, developing more of an interest in girls and stuff like that. And so he started talking about, he started teaching in TAG just about how to lead a Christ-like relationship. And that was just very, very helpful as we were just exposed to um, just the brokenness of other relationships um, that the world um, produces. Um, so as we were being exposed to that all the time, it was just good to hear his teachings. And when we're taught that God's way is the way that is in our best interest, it's often hard to always live out that way, right? We can all attest to that. And when I was in early high school, Tyler started pursuing Olivia. And like Cindy said, that was just an awesome, an awesome thing that happened to us because it just really positive to positively influenced us youth. Um, Tyler practiced what he preached. He led Olivia in a Christ-like relationship. And th that, was, that was just awesome. And that just really, really influenced us youth on how to um, lead a Christ-like relationship. He didn't just verbally teach us how to lead a Christ-like relationship. He showed us through his relationship with Olivia. And that was just really, really cool to experience that. So thank you, Ty. Hello, my name is Ryan. So the co-intern with Tyler, the one who had also requested the helicopter and the greased-up pig for the game. So I'm still convinced that it would be a good game. But I get the privilege of talking um, a little bit more about Tyler's relationship with Olivia, um, Tyler and Olivia in love, as it were, and as it were, yeah, still is, right, yeah, I don't know why I said that. <laughs> 
Anyways, um, I've had the privilege of knowing Tyler and being friends with him for a long time, going on 11 or 12 years now. So around the same time that he started coming to this church and coming to Christ is around the same time that we started becoming friends. And we've been very close friends, best friends for a very long time. And that's uh, it's been an absolute honor. And we used to do a lot of adventurous things when we were younger. I remember memories of us jumping off roofs onto trampolines, for example. We would take Car- this is these are younger years before we matured. Um, we would take shopping carts and roll them down his hill by his house until we crashed and um, all sorts of things like that. And then later on, we kind of graduated to bigger, better adventurous things, things like bungee jumping, backpacking, hiking, rock climbing, skydiving, the works. If it had adrenaline in it, we were right there. So we were excited. And then we graduated high school, and we hung out and continued to just have a good time being friends and um, enjoying those adventurous things. And we went to separate community colleges while still staying in touch, of course. And then Tyler went to Multnomah, went to Multnomah University, which is where I'm currently attending, where Tyler just graduated from. And there's some, some things about Multnomah, all right? It's a Christian campus, so at the time, we're both single guys. There's a lot of Christian girls on a Christian campus, right? So I'm giving him a hard time about this. I come up, and I'm like, dude, dude, you're going to have a girlfriend so fast. So fast you're going to have a girlfriend. He's like, no, there's no way that's going to happen. And he tells me this. He says, I'm just there to focus on God and my studies. God and my studies, right? So, and one of the things about Multnomah is that is like the kiss of death right there. If you say you're going to focus on God and your studies, you're going to be married just like that. So anyways, I made a bet with Tyler. I made a bet that within the first year of him going to school there, he was going to have a girlfriend. So and he had to he had to buy me dinner. So I totally won that bet when he started dating Olivia. And it kind of it took me just uh you know, I I figured it was going to happen, but it still took me a little bit as a surprise just to, that they were dating and they were just really getting to know each other, a girl that I didn't really know that well, you know, is like got to figure this girl out, getting a little bit nervous. And I remember Tyler came into my room one time, my dorm room, when, uh, when I was going there. And he, or no, I was just hanging out, and he was there, and he just was sighing. He just comes in, he laid on the bed, and he was just, ah. Ah. And I, the thing is, he had just taken a trip. He had just gone down to California to see Olivia. So, and I was like, how was your trip? So, and he's like, it was wonderful. And I'm just like, oh, brother, this is ridiculous. So I then proceeded to kind of talk him down from his love tree that he was in. So I started talking to him about it, and he said, he said, Ryan, let me tell you something. He said, I'm going to marry this girl. And I was like, what? You guys have been dating for just a few months. How could you possibly know that? That's not going to happen. I don't even know this girl. I'm scared. And... He proceeds to continue to tell me this, that he's going to get married to this girl. And I just kind of, you know, talk him down, and I kind of brush it off. And anyway, some, uh, some time goes by, and we're hanging out again, you know. And um, he, he was clearly, clearly just in love with Olivia. He, he'd been dating her the right way, like the guy said, like Cindy said. He dated her with integrity. He dated her strongly. He dated her very intentionally. He made his intentions known with her with her parents, with her family, even with her siblings, all of it. He really did things right. And things were, things were kind of coming to a point where the, the love was just building. So and Tyler, he told me again that he was going to marry this girl, you know, and I said, how do you know? How do you know that she's the one? 
I mean, there's so many girls out there. How do you possibly know that she's the one? And he looked at me and he said, the person that she is wants me, makes me want to be a better man. The person that she is makes me want to be a better man. She makes me want to take care of her. She makes me want to be a servant. She makes me want to be a man of God. And I knew then that he was serious. I knew then that they were going to get married. I knew then that they were in love. And I knew then that Tyler would do an awesome job leading Olivia and leading his family wherever they went. So I kind of embraced it at that point. You know, it's going to happen. So they move towards marriage and they they get married. Beautiful, beautiful wedding. I absolutely loved it. And... um, the thing about marriage, one of the things that I've discovered as well, is so far as personal growth and maturity, you can mature more in a month of marriage than you can in a year of singleness. I will tell you that right now. It just it happens so fast. And that's exactly what I saw in Tyler. Through Olivia, through what Olivia was doing, and through what he was doing with Olivia, they were both maturing together. They were pulling towards Christ together. I'll give you a couple examples of this. Tyler, he's always been kind of a silly guy, kind of a goofy guy, you know? And basically, when we were younger, that silliness, it couldn't be turned off at all. There was just, there was just nothing there, no matter what was going on. He would just be just goofy, you know? <laughs> and as he started dating Olivia, he almost like developed this switch to when maturity was needed, when he needed to step up, he absolutely did. He stepped up, and he was there, and he was mature, and he was serious when he needed to be, no matter what the topic was that called for it. So another way that you can, you can tell as to what their relationship has been like and how Tyler has treated her is just to, just to look at Olivia. I mean, women are a reflection of how their men treat them. Wives are a reflection of who their husbands are as people. And Olivia, she just, she just glows. She just glows when she hangs out with Tyler. And Tyler just go, glows when he talks about Olivia. I just had Tyler over last night, and he was just talking about her and talking and talking and talking and talking and talking. <laughs> and it's awesome. I love it. I love hearing about you guys. I love seeing you guys interact well together. I love seeing you guys in love. Tyler, he's digging more and more into the Word. Like, he's, like uh, I think it was Pastor Mark who was saying, he, just, he was hungry for the Word of God. He was hungry for the Bible. And now that he's the spiritual leader of his home, I see him reading the Word more and more. I see him digging into it more and more and applying it to his life more and more because of what's at stake, because, because he's a leader and because he wants to lead well. And another example I want to share with you guys, I was talking about how adventurous we were you know, as kids and in high school. And there was always a dream that we had for a while. We wanted to go base jumping. So if you guys don't know what base jumping is, it is standing atop an incredibly tall static object like a cliff or a building, throwing yourself off of it and pulling a parachute almost immediately and then careening down to safety. It is the most dangerous extreme sport in the world, right? So we were there. I mean, we were going to do it, right? And Tyler ends up getting married to Olivia, and I'm like, so, man, when are we, when are we getting skydive certified? When are we going base jumping? And I was still single at the time, right? And Tyler just, <laughs> Tyler just looks at me, and he's like, yeah, I don't, I don't, think, I, I don't think I'm going to do that. I don't think I want to learn how to base jump. And I was like, what? This has been our dream forever. Of course you want to learn how to base jump. And he goes... He goes, I love my wife. I love my family. I don't want to do that. I want to take care of them. I want to be there for them no matter what happens. 
So, and I knew then that Tyler was responsible. I knew that he was mature. Later on, I, I got married to my beautiful wife, Savannah. She's sitting right there. And, um, you know, and I unfortunately came to the same conclusion. So it's just, I'm kidding. It's, complete, it's completely worth it. But I knew that Tyler was a man. I knew that he wanted to take care of his family. I knew that Olivia was doing an awesome job. Because he gave up, he sacrificed things so that he could take care of his family, he could take care of Olivia, and now he could take care of his son. So, Tyler, you are a man. Thank you for your inspiration and your influence on me and on so many others. I want to see what my picture looks like. Okay, we'll fix that for next time. <laughs> my job, um, my job this morning. First of all, I'm Pastor Levi Manitsis. I'm from John Day, Oregon, and um, if you think you've been there or seen it, it's the wrong place. <laughs> We're about three hours south and east of where you think you've been. John Day's not on the Columbia River. That's just the dam. That's where the river comes in, and we're, we're way far away. Hearing all these stories about Tyler reminds me of me when I was a young, young youth pastor, 23 years old. Um, so I think we're going to get along good, Tyler. I can get you that pig. <laughs> we'll scare up a helicopter, Okay. Camp Elkanah is 170 acres of forested woods. No fireworks. We'll do it in a church building, but not at Camp Elkanah. Um, It's my privilege this morning to represent the Blue Mountain Pastors of the CB Northwest. um, 16 churches in uh, north and east, eastern Oregon. Uh, Pastor Dave Payne and his wife are here. They're from Milton Freewater, so they're over here as well. Um, I'm the trustee for those 16 churches and also on the board for Camp Elkanah. Something that they didn't tell you when you became a pastor in Blue Mountain Churches is that you're automatically on the board for Camp Elkanah. And uh, so it's my privilege this morning is to tell our story just a little story about Camp Elkanah, and then how we were led to, um, to Tyler and Olivia. Um, as in life, in your own personal life, um, you wake up every morning and you need to do some evaluation of your day, some gospel evaluation. You have to wake up, you have to remind yourself that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, and so today's going to be a good day. And you might have to do that again about 10 o'clock in the morning, Sometime around noon, about two or three. And so um, for me, it's a daily occurrence of just remind myself of the gospel of Jesus. Then that overflows into your family. So then you say, how does the gospel um, relate to my family? What are the things that my family needs to hear about the gospel today, this week, holiday season? We're entering into a new year. What's how the, go- how the gospel is going to affect the Manitza's family? Then as a pastor of a church, you have to then oversee how does the gospel um, affect the church. So there's no doubt in my mind that Mark and Scott and the elders of Philida Baptist spend time going, what are the situations at Philida Baptist that need the gospel and need to be affected by the gospel? 
Well, then, then when you're on the board for a, a camp organization, you, you have to do those same, same types of things for a camp. How does the gospel, um, how does Camp Elkanah need to be reminded of the gospel and affected um, by the gospel? So this last year, last two years, um, there's been some um, issues, not big issues, but just some things where we've had to go, um, all right, we need to step back and we need to do some gospel evaluation of Camp Elkanah. What that led us to was um, coming up with a, with a mission statement for Camp Elkanah. No longer do we want a camp to be, camp-type ministries tend to be a burden on the local church and not a blessing. And so we wanted to reverse that role. And we want Camp Elkanah to be a blessing to the church and not a burden. And so part of the mission of Camp Elkanah is to train, identify, train, and trust the next generation of leaders from children to youth for local church ministry. We don't want to be a rental organization anymore. We don't want to just survive by making sure that the weekends are filled up with um, rental business. And so um, that caused us to do an evaluation of staff and and the current the staff that were there, they just they wanted to remain a rental organization, and so we had to go through the hard process and and through through some of the things the Holy Spirit was doing, uh, He made it a lot easier for certain people to leave. So we called CB Northwest, we told them, and and Tyler's name came to us, um, and so um, what Tyler and Olivia are entering into is a covenant community of believers. Of, of local churches that desire to, that all have the same goal of identifying, training, and trusting the next generation of leaders. And it's very obvious that that's a culture that he comes out of here at Philida, and that's where we're going to commit to helping him uh, be the camp administrator at Camp Elkanah. But not just a camp administrator. Um, we've asked Tyler to pastor Camp Elkanah. Not to be a... a program camp exciting game guy okay but we want him to pastor camp elkanah we want him to bring spiritual leadership we want him to bring the word of god we want him to bring training and discipleship to those kids that come from john day milton freewater legrand joseph enterprise um i think maybe you need to start sending a bus from Philida over to to camp elkanah okay um, hopefully the next time you see Tyler, um, he'll wear blue jeans and his shirt will be tucked in. Okay. And, uh, so we'll see, we'll get him a belt buckle or something to, um, hold his pants up. <laughs> Tyler, I don't even know you and I'm already bagging on you a little bit. So. It's just in the order of the program, okay? Here's, here's what we've, we're asking of Tyler. And, and just so you know, um, he's one of us. It's not us and Tyler. Tyler now becomes one of the Blue Mountain Boys, okay? And so he's, he's with us, and we're with him. Even though John Day's uh, two hours and 15 minutes from, from Camp Elkana, I drive a really fast motorcycle. I can be there in an hour and 45 minutes. We'll be good. Here's what we're asking of 
of a pastor, of a pastor of Blue Mountain, of a CB pastor, of Scott, of Mark, of your elders, is that this. A pastor's ministry is never shaped just by his knowledge, experience, and skill. It's always also shaped by the condition of his heart. And so what we are praying for and what we're asking is that Tyler's communication, his communion with Christ be key. And that's very evident from the testimony that's been shared today. The pastor must be enthralled with, in love with, his Savior. And that's what we've asked Tyler. That's what we're asking of Tyler. So that everything that Tyler, everything that Olivia thinks about, desires, chooses, decides, decisions that be made, everything that he says and does is propelled by his love for Jesus and by the security of the gospel, by the security of what Jesus has done for him and for his family. And so what each one of us pastors, each one of you men, each one of you dads, each person here should desire is to be a tender, loving, patient, forgiving, encouraging, giving servant leader. And that's why we've hired Tyler. And that's what we're asking him to do at Camp Elkanah. All the side things, fireworks, helicopter, greased up pig, those things don't matter in light of eternity. The condition of his heart is what matters most because that's what is going to teach. Christ's presence Christ's promises, his provisions must never be overwhelmed by helicopters, fireworks, and greased pigs. It needs to be about Jesus. Um, I want to, uh, I want to, before I, I ask Tyler and Olivia to come up and then the other pastors, we're going to lay our hands and pray for them. Um, I want to thank you, Flight of Baptist, on behalf of the Blue Mountain Pastors of Northeastern Oregon for your identifying, training, and trusting Tyler and his family. And that obviously comes with, with mistakes. But in love, you, you reach out, you grab him, and you, and you correct. And he's going to get that same type of relationship from the other 16 Blue Mountain pastors in Northeastern Oregon. And so I just want to say thank you for sending him our way. Okay, so I'm going to give you a hand. Thank you very much. Pastor Scott, uh, Dave, and Mark, and and whoever else that wants to come up and pray, um, I do have a a presentation of my own. Um, We give a lot of we give away a lot of of buck knives. Okay. Buck knives. Um, my boys, each one of my boys, I have three boys, a little girl on the way, and she'll get a pink one someday. But we keep, it's always important to have a sharp knife in your pocket. And we, we do some things with those knives that can't be talked about up here. <laughs> Has to do with brandings and bull calves and things like that. People will ask, you know, do you have a sharp, clean knife? I'll say, I have a sharp knife. All right. Here's why we give away buck knives. Okay, buck knives. This comes in every buck knife. I want you to know that. When I heard about this, I became a buck knife fan forever, and I, and I give away probably 10 to 12 buck knives. So, Tyler, you're going to get a buck knife today from me, okay? This comes on in every buck knife. 
It says this. Um, if this is your first buck knife, welcome aboard. You're now part of a very large family. So welcome aboard to the Blue Mountain and Buck Knives. We think of each one of our users as a member of the Buck Knives family. Now that you are family, you might want to know a little bit more about us. The fantastic growth of Buck Knives Incorporated was no accident. From the beginning, we determined to make God the senior partner. In a crisis, the problem was turned over to him, and he hasn't failed to help us with the answer. Each knife must reflect the integrity of management. If sometimes we fail on our end, and we will because we are human, we find it imperative to do our utmost to make it right. If any of you are troubled or perplexed and looking for answers, may we invite you to look to him, for God loves you. Chuck Buck, chairman and owner of Buck Knives. For God so loved the world so much that he gave his only son, that anyone who believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. John three sixteen. So Tyler and Olivia, we'd like to pray over you. So we want to invite you to come up. And Tyler, this buck knife is engraved with Camp Elkanna and uh, Proverbs twenty seven seventeen, the idea of iron sharpening iron. Okay. One other quick thing I want to mention. Um, Mark Hafner is the director of CB Northwest, our association of churches. And he was very influential on Pastor Mark going to Western Seminary and getting trained to become a pastor. Uh, Mark did not fully satisfy Mark Hafner's desire, who wanted him to come back to Eastern Oregon. And Mark Hafner has let me know repeatedly over the years that somehow I bear a responsibility for depriving Eastern Oregon churches of Mark Clodson. So uh, when the decision was made to hire Tyler and knew he'd be going to Eastern Oregon and serving there in the Blue Mountain Association, I made a point of finding Mark Hafner at our last um, pastor's prayer summit. And I said, Mark, you've given me a lot of grief over the years for for not sending Mark Clotson back. I didn't use the word grief, but you can, I just let him know. You've been giving me a lot of trouble. And I said, uh, I want you to know that in sending Tyler and Olivia to you, we are sending you some of our very best. So the debt is paid, ma'am. <laughs> let it go. And he wisely accepted that, so... We want to uh, pray for Tyler and Olivia. We invite you to uh, bow with us as uh, we elders and pastors put our hands on them. And let's pray. Father in heaven, how thankful we are for all your good gifts. You are so good and you give such good gifts. And today we are especially thankful for your good gifts of Tyler and Olivia and Isaac and we just want to uh, appreciate uh, how you have blessed us, how you've blessed them, how you've used them. And Lord, we, uh, we look forward to how you will use them. And uh, as we place our hands on them, we do so uh, in symbol, in picture of your hand on them. And we ask you, Father, to strengthen them for what lies ahead, the challenges, the joys, the excitement, the disappointments. Father, thank you uh, that they are going to a place where they will have 
great support and encouragement and counsel. And Father, we pray you would give them uh, the joy of your Holy Spirit. You would give them guidance. You would lead them. And you would use them, Lord. You would equip them to do that which is pleasing in your sight. And we look forward to all you're going to do. God, protect them and use them for your glory and for their good. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. You guys can go ahead and have a seat. And I'm going to invite Ryan and his team are going to come up and we're going to close out with a song. That's going to conclude our service. And then we want to invite everybody to head down to uh, the gym where we're going to have a brief time of reception for Tyler and Olivia. We have a gift we want to give them as well from the church family. And so you're all invited to do that. And then after that, we'll go to our uh, groups and classes. Oh, yeah, and an offering, too. We're having an offering.
Thank you guys so much. Thank you for celebrating God's work in Tyler with us. And